The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, and I am delighted uh, this hour to be joined with our co-host, Linda Schub. Linda, thanks for being on the line. Yes, hello, Dr. White. Yes, and our special guest for today, uh, Mr. Tony Moore. Uh, Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. White. It's an honor to be here. And I know that since the last time I saw you presenting in Clearwater, Florida, I think you've had a title change. You've you've gone from um, your HR title to Chief yes. Strategic Officer. Chief Strate- Is that correct? Yeah, Chief Strategic Relations Officer. Yes, okay. that just recently changed. Great. Well, we are, uh, again, delighted to have you on the line all the way from Eckerd in Clearwater, Florida. And I think before we kind of jump right into our topic, which today is cultivating a can-do culture, why don't we have you say a little bit about yourself and about your organization? Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, Tony Moore, and I'm the Chief Strategic Relations Officer for Eckert, and um, I've been here for seven years, and actually the last seven years I've served as our Chief Human Resource Officer. And um, we are a nonprofit organization um, based out of Clearwater, Florida. However, we are um, in 11 states as well as the District of Columbia. And we are a, um, an organization that works with children and families um, who are in some, have some contact with either the child welfare system or the juvenile justice system. Um, and the services really sort of span the gamut, everything from working with these families on the front end through diversion services or um, family preservation services where we're trying to keep the family unit together um, to here in Florida where we have oversight for an entire system of care um, where we're working with kids that are in the child welfare system with adoptions and reunifications and foster care and case management. So we're overseeing those services um, to job readiness training in a number of states that we're in as well as we have some some reintegration services, so kids who are in the system but are reintegrating into their communities, into their homes. So sort of span the whole gamut of services for for children, adolescents, and families. Okay, well, wonderful. And, again, just welcome. Linda, would you like to say a little bit about your organization as well? Yes, we do. Um, We are a group of organizational psychologists, and we work with public sector and nonprofit organizations doing everything from strategic planning to uh, uh, leadership training to outreach, involvement, communications, so anything that will improve the organizational capacity internally or to serve the 
public um, or the population being served. And I can say that it just feels really good to be in a position to be able to help uh, those in need. So thank you for letting me be one of your co-hosts. Yeah, well, I'm so glad to have you on uh, today and and have you co-host on other days. Linda, what's the name of your organization? It's uh, Organization Effectiveness Consultants, and the website is OECStrategicSolutions.com. And I have a question for you, Cheryl. Okay. For anybody who may not be recognizing the Dr. Cheryl White, it might be worth noting that you are also or were formerly Dr. Cheryl G., same person, just married <laughs> with a different last name. Yes, this is true. I am, um, I am the same person growing into my new name and my new role as a wife. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. Yes, definitely. Yeah, talk about a new culture, new space and time. Speaking of culture, you know, when we think about word, so much comes to mind, I'm sure. Um, Different definitions, there's lots of different definitions out there. What does culture mean to you? Tony, why don't we have you um, say a little bit about what culture means to you, and then what does that really mean within the context of an organization? And Linda, you might think about that as well and kind of jump in after Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a great question, I, you, and you're right. There are so many definitions. Um, when I think of culture, when I talk about culture, I think of it as the rules of engagement for the organization. Um, you just talked about, you know, you're recently married and culture change and what that means. I think of myself as a husband and a father, and we have some very clear, we have a very clear culture in our, organ, in our family. You know, there are some rules of engagement about how you talk to each other, how you act with one another, um, what are the things that are important, you know, who has the power in the relationship, what are the values of our family. I think we see that same thing in an organization. It outlines for your employees what's important to you, um, how we're going to make decisions, um, what are the things that you truly, truly value. And, and, of course, when I say values, I don't necessarily mean a list of platitudes that are on the wall, but what are those things that really, really happen at the organization? I mean, I think those things go into defining what I think is the culture of the organization, and those are the things, obviously, that have the impact on the people in the organization. Okay, love that. Linda, anything you'd add? Well, I love that, too. I think that's very thorough. Um, We were just, I was talking with a client this morning, defining culture as a set of consistent behaviors Mm -hmm. in a band where people know when they've gone beyond the boundaries, they are kind of uh, going against the grain, so to speak, of the expectations of the organization. So um, just as in a family, you would have a culture where you probably don't scream at each other and say bad names. Um, In an organization, that might be the same cultural, you know, expectation or behavior. And then what's the consequence for violating that, Um, Mm -hmm. which is a very large question when you're talking about organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as you're sharing that, I'm thinking of, you know, a quote I saw years back, and it's like, culture is like the air we breathe. It's like one of those yeah. things we don't really think about 
Um, but if you do something, you're having a difficult time, if the air quality becomes an issue or if the um, if our behavior becomes contrary to the norms of the culture, then we become aware of the culture. But very often we might go um, day by day and not really think about those rules of engagement um, if we are engaging in a way that is um, going along with the um, the flow and the direction that the organization is going in. Great. So, right. You know, I think our um, title for today, well, maybe not our title, but I think the description had another quote in it, and that is culture eats strategy for lunch. And, yeah. um, you know, so very often we talk about strategy, and we talk about strategy as it relates to culture. You know, what are some things that happen that comes to mind when culture and strategy, those things that we think are the big what's of an organization, are in opposition to each other or just aren't in alignment? And, and where might that little thing have come from? Either of you want to jump in with that? Linda, you want to take that one first? Well, sure. Um, I'll just give you the first example that comes to my mind, um, this I am working with an organization that is just growing beyond Malcolm Gladwell's definition of the tipping point. So they've got over 100 people, uh, approaching about 130, and the rules that used to apply and the assumptions when they were a much smaller organization no longer fit the need or the demand and the specific example that we were talking about is that the CEO has 14 direct reports. Ouch. And that might have worked like huge. That might have worked great when they were small and forming, but now that they're approaching this much larger number, it becomes a structural problem because nobody can make a decision because 14 people are waiting for one person and it becomes a structural problem and an interpersonal uh, trust-based issue when one or more of those people are more than one layer removed and don't have the same kind of walk-in-the-office-anytime access. And the culture starts to change because people mm-hmm. are uncertain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I could definitely see where, if I go back to Tony's definition, the rules of engagement certainly are changing in how decisions are made. Uh, Tony, anything else you would add? Yeah, that was a great example. I think that, and I would speak maybe to the uncertainty, and I think that what happens is um, organizations oftentimes leave their culture up to good intentions, the well-intended people. So, you know, you'd never run your organization and say, you know, we're going to leave our finances up to good intentions. There's no reason to budget. There's no reason to have a financial statement. We just hope people won't spend all the money. Or when it comes to quality services, you know, or quality outcomes, you wouldn't just leave that. Well, I guess let's just hope everybody takes care of the client, but let's not have any proof that it's actually happening. But people obviously are the, we, we all say people are the most important resource in the organization. They are directly impacted by the culture, yet oftentimes we leave the culture up to good intentions. We'll just hope that everyone treats each other well, everyone, or as you just said a second ago, Linda, that decisions are made a certain way. 
And so I think that what happens is um, it becomes nearly impossible to effectively execute um, if you don't have a culture that's aligned with the direction that you're trying to go. Um, I personally think that sort of the values for the organization, the values that are embedded in the culture, um, as opposed to the sometimes the structure, but the values, those things can remain the same. You know, the core, you can protect the core, but change the system. You know, so Tony, you can... So you can I'm going to actually, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no. off there. Go on and finish no, no. your thought. No, 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 just, and that's really it. It's just you, you can protect the core and still go ahead and change some of the systems, which is, you know, which, which, what Linda talked to. But so often I think the people in the organization don't even know what the real values are um, because they've never, we've never been courageous enough to put them down on paper and say, I'm going to live like this. And by the mm-hmm. way, I want you to hold me accountable and let me know when I'm not living like this. Mm-hmm. So let me have you just um, go into that space a little bit more and give us some examples of values. What would be some values uh, so our listening audience kind of knows exactly what it is you're talking to it about at this moment? Absolutely. So uh, let me give maybe two quick examples. So I'll use mm-hmm. one personal and then one from the business. So okay. when I was a kid, when I was a kid, one of the things that my mother used to say is when you get in trouble, it's not that they say Tony Moore got in trouble. They say Paulette Moore's son, Tony, got in trouble. Mm-hmm. And the reason she said that is because she was trying to help me understand that my actions outside of the home had a direct reflection on the people inside of the home. So therefore, I needed to, a family value for us was, I need to be concerned about not just me, but the people in my home. And so as you're making decisions about what you're going to do while you're out there running around with your friends, always know that make, you need to ask yourself, how is this going to reflect on my family? Ah, so that would nice. be an example of, uh, of a value. Uh, that sense? Right. That'd be an example is. of a value. I have to, unfortunately, put a comma there, and I'm okay. really going Please. to um, look forward to hearing the second part of your response to that question. We need to take a, a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
commodities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl White, and I'm delighted that my co-host, Linda Shoup, is with me for this segment. Linda, thanks again. My pleasure. And we have a special guest today coming out of Clearwater, Florida, um, and that would be none other than the Mr. Tony Moore, who's the Chief Strategic Relations Officer at Eckert. Uh, thank you thank again, you. Tony. Thank you. Yeah, so before we went to break, you were giving us that excellent example of values as relates to your family, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to finish up there and then to also talk about what you also introduced with regards to an example of a value in relation to an organization. Absolutely. So I was saying there that, that those are the, you know, the family value for us was the one where I, we had to be focused on and always cognizant of the fact that everything I did outside of my home was a direct reflection on the people who lived in the home. And so it was a way of my mother teaching us to think of someone other than ourselves, that mm-hmm. your actions, there's, that it had, there's a ripple effect to those actions. I think it's very similar in the organization. One of the clear organizational values for Eckerd, which is a part of our Eckerd wheel, is empathy. And for us, empathy, we defined as seeing the world through another person's eyes. Um, everyone knows what empathy is. If you go into a prison and ask them if they're empathetic, they'll all tell you that they're empathetic. But what we decided was we needed to write down what our values were and talk about how we could live those on a day-to-day basis. So that means that when I'm working with someone on my team or when I'm working with one of my peers on the executive team or when I'm working with someone who doesn't report to me at all, am I consciously trying to see the world through their eyes? Um, and that would be one of those organizational values that we say this is something that is very, very important to us and we want to live it every single day. So that's, I think that would be an example of how it plays out on a day-to-day basis in the organization. Love it. Can I add Linda, something? Any, yeah, show? absolutely. Jump on in. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed that, to totally complement what Tony just said is that even different parts of the organization will define different behaviors <laughs> as indicative of the value that you have labeled. So, for example, if um, I am a nonprofit and I'm in charge of the facility, I might process something like quality of work thinking um, my behaviors that demonstrate our value for quality mean that we do everything according to lead building standards. If I am an executive 
administrative person in that same organization, quality means something really different to me, and the behaviors that I demonstrate might be to talk uh, highly of my organization when I'm out in the community um, so that everybody has a positive, or so that I leave a positive impression, and by behavioralizing the values based on the point of view of the employee population, there seems to be a certain sense of reality and uh, grassroots engagement in that culture based on those values. Yeah. That is excellent. Can I jump in there? That is, I love that. Oh, example. please do. We had a, um, one of the things that we ask is, uh, one of the things that we continually are asking our employees around this, these values with respect to the person side of the wheel, um, and I can talk about that later if you'd like, but what I will tell you is one of the things we ask them is, and it's very similar to what I would ask my kids at home is, these are the things that I say I believe, and this is in particular with my wife. These are the things that I say I believe. I need you to let me know when my behavior is inconsistent with what I say I believe because I'm always going to think it's consistent unless someone else points it out. So I think as leaders, we have a responsibility to give our employees the freedom to hold up a mirror to our faces because that's the only way we'll ever know when we're inconsistent and the behavior. So now here's my example. So we had an employee who had gone out on leave, ran out of time, um, ran out of her time on leave, and she still needed to be out. So her supervisor called and said, hey, I've got, we've got people on our team that have extra you know, paid time off, and we'd like to donate some time to her so that she's not, you know, she needs money, and we'd like to donate it. Well, if you know anything about finances, you know you can't just simply do that. <laughs> you have to have a process for doing it. But the argument that the leader made is that this is a way of putting the person's side of the wheel, this is a way of putting our values into action. We now have a policy and a process for donation of hours when someone is out on leave. Um, but that came as a result of, kind of going back to your behavior that you talked about a second ago, Linda, that came from someone deeply and deep in the organization saying, hey, this is what we say we believe. Here's a classic example of a way to put that into action. Why can't we do it? And But we were able to do it. Um, but by having those clearly defined values, you can make decisions that are consistent with the values because you keep asking yourself, how does this relate to who we say we are? We say this is what we believe. How does that match with what I'm doing? If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Makes a lot of sense. So if I were to step back for our listeners and think of, you know, what is, um, what is the key thing, what might even be the first thing, or maybe it's not first but key, to do as relates to um, beginning to move forward in a culture change effort, what would you say would be the most important thing to embrace doing? Uh, you want to, Linda? You want to go first? Or you want me to jump in? Uh, you sound like you're ready. Go for it, Tony. I'm not ready. I, <laughs> I always sound like I'm ready. It's just a sound. <laughs> well, I will. I, I will say this. I think that um, one of the first things that has to be done is we need to decide. You know, who is it that we really want to be? Um, so, um, what is it that? It, it, remember, we said earlier that, or at least I said earlier that the culture is about a set of rules of engagement. So. I'll give you an example. When I first got here and I took over the HR department, um, one of the things that I asked them was, what do we want our customers to be saying about us? And by customers, I meant all of our employees. 
that if they were going to talk about our department, what would we like them to be saying about us? And they all started writing down all the things they'd love for people to say about them. And then I said, okay, so to get that to happen, what are the very specific behaviors that we would have to do to get there? So my point is we had to determine a destination first. We had to decide who is it that we really want to be. Um, what is it that we, in this case, it was what do we want people to say about us, but, but who do we really want to be as people? And then we began to use that to define the action. So I think the first step is a conversation about what's really important. Um, what is it that we really believe and what is it that we really believe is important and, and reaching some level of agreement. And that has to come from the top, but it has to be agreed upon throughout the organization. Um, it can't be forced and it also can't be a place where, well, if you're at this level of the organization, you don't actually, you don't actually have to be empathetic or you don't actually have to have integrity or you don't have to be responsible because you're at that level of the organization. It has to be something that everyone embraces. But at the same time, the people down further in that organization also need to understand what this is and why it's important. Um, one of the things that Mr. Ecker did when he started here, he used, when he started the organization, he always said, it's about the kids. Whatever it is, it's about the kids. When we set about in our transformation here at Eckert, one of the things we had to help our employees understand is how is it that we can deliver a different kind of service and it still be about the kids? Because their understanding of what it's about the kids was defined by a certain set of behaviors in a certain setting. If we're now going to say, wow, we're not going to do that business anymore, we're going to do this business, there has to be something to link those two things together. I like to think of it as, painting a picture of the future using the colors of the past. So the colors of the past for us would be it's about the kids. If I can paint you a future picture and help you understand why it's still about the kids, I can more than likely get you to come on board with the new direction that we're going. Mm -hmm. So that, that core still stayed protected. It was still mm -hmm. about the kids. Mm -hmm. So we had to help them understand that it was about the kids in this new picture that we were painting. So we were, again trying to use these colors from the past to paint this picture of the future. That's beautifully well stated. Yes. Um, before they give us the music, Cheryl, um, I think, what, can I add a couple of comments Please here? do. Go on and add. I know, Linda, you're going to have to jump off for the next segment, but we appreciate your being on this segment. Um, share yeah. your final thoughts with us. That's great. Well, Tony, I agree with you completely, and a couple of the bywords that um, I try to use, you know, with my clients and with my own uh, communities, um, you're talking about begin with the end in mind, mm -hmm. you know, or what's the vision, where are we going, and that's a... Uh, comes out of the seven habits of highly affected people, but I think it's good strategy, it's good people skills. What is the end in mind? Are we trying to serve a population? Are we trying to keep our employees engaged? Are we trying to uh, be well known? And then we can back into what is now and what should be or what would we like it to be in the future and this is exactly what you described, Tony. You've created the gap from where we are now. What goals and initiatives and behaviors do we have to change to position us for that end in mind that we're striving for? Yeah, love that. And, and yes, I, I um, definitely think, very often I will think of a culture becoming 
whatever's being modeled, supported, and rewarded. But in order to get to, mm-hmm. to operationalizing that, we do have to start with what is it that we want to see. Um, you know, I, I think our um, strong value system is wrapped up in our service excellence commitment here at the Neighborhood House, and it's consistently delivering exceptional service that demonstrates I care and builds a positive reputation and support for the organization. And that's demonstrated through, you know, our, our acronym and, um, for I care is integrity, it's courtesy, attentiveness, responsiveness, and excellence. And we say excellence requires compassion. So it's, you know, what am I doing that's demonstrating that I am being courteous, that I am being attentive, that I am being responsive and showing compassion. It's not just getting it done, but how do I get this done in a way that really indicates and shows a sense of compassion toward others. So I think all of that kind of speaks to what we're speaking to with regards to kind of setting the tone and the how we're going to be together as it relates to the culture of the organization. Um, Tony, one of the things that uh, you talked about, and I want to have you um, share a little bit more because we wrapped it up in the title of the show, and that is the can-do culture. What does a can-do culture look like? And I know that there was a transformation that your organization went through. So I'd love to have you also share a little bit about what that transformation was like for you, maybe moving into um, a can-do culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting. The Eckert started. Um, uh, I don't know if you if you've, any of you've seen any of this on the national news, but they've been um, exhuming bodies from a place called Marietta, Florida. There used to be a a reform school there called the Dozier School for Boys. And um, one thing about Dozier is that there were always these rumors, and we're going back forty plus years now. But there were always these rumors that kids were being abused um, physically, sexually, um, and that some were even and being killed and um, and just disappearing and, and Mr. Eckert's in Siena report said, you know, there's got to be a better way to work with kids. There's got to be something you can do that doesn't involve locking them up and not having a strength-based approach and not trying to find those kinds of things. And so he he's set about on this course and, and, and through his research ended up creating sort of this first outdoor, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this outdoor uh, therapeutic outdoor therapeutic camp and embedded in there as I said earlier embedded in there was this was this belief that it was all about the kids and when I arrived seven years ago I can tell you that when you walked into one of those camps you've never met such a I've never met I've never met such a group of people who were committed to kids I mean, it was wow. so evident Tony, that you I could so taste it. I hate to have us have to put a comma no. here, but I'm going to put a comma here. I'm going to say Not thank you to Linda, because I know you won't be joining us back for the next segment, but Tony, we'll look forward to your coming back and sharing more about that journey that your organization's gone through and just the story leading up to that transformation. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more from Tony on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. 
call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you are a woman who is in a transitionary state of your life, such as a divorce, marriage, upcoming retirement, changing jobs, or even careers, there are usually many financial decisions that you may be faced with. On Women Be Wise, host Darlene Gilmore can help with some important advice on a variety of subjects for women in almost any state of their financial lives. You'll want to listen every Thursday morning for Women Be Wise at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hey, we're back with more on Leadership Matters, talking about the um, creating a can-do culture or cultivating one. And, Tony, you were in the midst of sharing about your journey. And we'll just have you just uh, kind of take it away. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the things about when I mentioned a second ago that you could, you know, you could sort of cut that care with a knife. It was so real. That is one of the things that Mr. Eckert did an excellent job of infusing into the organization. Um, unfortunately, like many great leaders, um, they, when they, particularly founders, when they pass away, um, the, the organization begins to flounder. And so Eckert was in that position. You know, he got sick and then eventually passed away. And so we spent, you know, a good solid 10 years or so really floundering, um, such that when our new CEO was hired, David Dennis, who came a little over eight years ago, um, easily this organization could have drained what little money was left in the, in the endowment because we were, from a financial standpoint, we were spending about $3 million a year just to keep the doors open. Um, the teams really focused on the work they did every day, but there was no real organizational alignment. Um, the, they didn't, in many cases, Although kids were getting better, there was it was more anecdotal evidence of good outcomes. So you didn't have any real system and any results to say this is how we know what we're doing is making a difference. Um, they operated sort of isolated from the community, you know, with no real connection to what that local community needed. And it was just this real sense, I think, that we'd just be doing this forever. Um, we'll just be providing this service forever. Um, when in reality, the industry had taken a major shift. And although we were still providing a good service, the reality is people were doing something different. It's sort of like the the analogy of the buggy whip. You know, the last buggy whip maker in America was probably the best buggy whip maker in America. But who cares? People were driving cars. 
so they went out of business. And that's the road that we were on. And unfortunately, our leaders in the organization had been shielded from all of that because they only had to worry about the kids, back to that value. It's about the kids. It's not about any of those other things. So when David came on board, he really helped us as a leadership team, assemble a leadership team and set us about on a course to begin to reverse things really in five fundamental areas. In that area of quality, we went from this sort of anecdotal evidence to we really talked about quality begets quantity and how do you define quality. So we, we, came, we got up with scorecards and we were collecting data and we were setting targets and those kinds of things. Um, we went from this idea of, hey, you just have to work isolated here in North Carolina and you don't have to worry about what's happening in Florida. We went from that to we said, you know, anyone who's here has to be aligned, engaged, and happy, aligned with the direction we're going, engaged in activities to demonstrate you're aligned, and doing it with the right attitude. Um, and, and one other point I'll make, and then I'll move on, even around the finances, we went, we went from this idea of, you know, we just let the support center, which is where I work, let them worry about the money, and I don't have to worry about it. The David said, no margin, no mission period, that we, these are the new standards, which then meant we've got to begin to teach and to train our leaders to do these new things that we want them to do. And I think that through the process, I know that through the process of building these systems, systems that we hope will outlive any of us, by building these systems to collect data, help our leaders understand how to use that data to make decisions, we over time began to create this culture of, I can make these things happen. Now, we did start hiring new leaders. There were several people who left. I mean, we, we weren't able to retain everyone because there were people who, quite frankly, did not want to get on board with the direction we were going. But we made sure that as we started bringing new people into the organization, they were people who were committed to the direction that we were going. But I will say this. At the end of the day, that can-do culture comes down to as complicated as it can be. If I can make, give you three basic questions that I think every employee has to answer, I don't care if it's the CEO or it's the person who mops your floors. And that is, number question number one, why do we exist? What is our purpose? Why are we here? Question number two, how does what I do help us accomplish that purpose? So I know where we're going. I know why we're here. I know how my work contributes to the accomplishment of that vision. And finally, how am I doing? So I'm getting feedback about is my work actually contributing in the way that it needs to contribute. And I think when employees, what we found is when our employees can answer those basic questions, you begin to see this can-do culture emerge. I mean, this, that so much so that, and I think it's because they're aligned with the direction we're going, they're aligned with the values, and then they're, and, and going back to one of my earlier examples, because they're able to tell us when our values and our behaviors are not aligned, it just increases their commitment to the organization. Great. I absolutely love that. Uh, thank you for sharing that journey. That's just um, tremendous and so many wonderful pearls in what you shared. You know, as in any journey, I know that there are those things that kind of keep us moving forward and um, feeling great about milestones along the way. Mm -hmm. And their challenges. What were some challenges that you may have faced along that journey, and how did you overcome them? You know, it's interesting. I think the, this is going to sound crazy, but one of the biggest challenges is us as the, the leaders of the executive team. You know, how do we ensure that we're all aligned? Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we have – I have a um, – 
27-year relationship with my current president and CEO. I've known him for, obviously, for a long, long time and have worked together with him several times. Um, and so he assembles this leadership team. And how do we make sure that we're all working together in a way that benefits the organization as a whole? So I think one of the first challenges really was making sure that we were all on the, we were all on the same page because if we weren't, no one else was going to be. And it ultimately led to this creation of the performance side of the Eckerd side of the wheel, which really gave us a context for how we would make decisions. How Share more about we that performance side of that wheel, Tony. Oh, absolutely. Well, what we, what we realize is that, you know, within any organization and probably even any business, you know, there's really five areas that are critical. There's a, there's a quality piece of the puzzle. Um, there's a quality spoke, I should say. There is a um, staff or, a, you know, the people's piece of the puzzle. There is a finance um, spoke. There is a um, external relations, sort of my relationship with the local community or with the community. And then there's what we call growth and transformation. Some would refer to it as operations. We think operations sounds a little stagnant and that we should always be growing and transforming. So the Eckerd Wheel for us is, in many ways, is a visual representation of the organization's culture. Um, and, and the reason we selected the wheel is because if you think of a bicycle wheel, each spoke has to have an equal amount of tension in it in order for the wheel to operate properly. If there's a loose spoke, that wheel is going to warp and ultimately you're going to end up in a ditch. The same is true within the organization. If every decision is made based, based upon what the, C, what the CFO says, which is typically a financial perspective, eventually you're going, that wheel is going to warp. It's destined to do it because we have to also consider the impact that it's having on people. Or if you're making all your decisions based on whether this would be good for public relations or our relationship in the local community, if we make all of our decisions based on that, eventually the wheel warps. So within our organization, we created a, a matrix-style decision-making that said, we're going to have the five spokes that I just named for you, which is up on the performance side of the wheel. There would be a chief. As I mentioned earlier, I was the chief human resource officer. There's a chief who's in charge of each of those spokes. Each one of those spokes has an organizational value that's attached to that particular spoke, and that spoke is, is, um, that spoke is responsible or that functional area is responsible for protecting that particular value. So in the staff spoke, as an example, that value is, is that we will engage people from a strength-based perspective. So that meant that my team on any given day needs to always be looking out to make sure that we're engaging people throughout the organization from a strength-based perspective, and not just with their eyes, but with data that we're collecting from the people. So that what happens is if we protect it, then we will be living that value as opposed to it just being something that we say we, we actually believe in. So that performance side of the wheel, as I said, is a, well, not just a performance wheel, but that wheel is a visual representation of our culture. The performance side has metrics that is attached to it. It has goals that are attached to it. It is directly linked to our strategic plan and our yearly operating plan. Um, all of those things are connected. And not only that, we use that wheel and performance within that wheel to evaluate our leaders in terms of how they're doing on the performance side. Now, on the other side of the wheel, we have what we call the person side of the wheel. And the person side of the wheel is, was created because we realized that we needed to be as deliberate and intentional in how we treat each other as we are about how we perform. 
We knew we had to have great outcomes. We knew we had to be performance-driven. But at the same time, we knew in order to do that and in order for people to actually last in this environment, we have to define the kind of environment we want to work in. So the person side of the wheel has five spokes, and they are integrity, responsibility, empathy, caring, and happiness. And we created definitions with our leadership teams. We created definitions of those, each of those spokes, because they have sub-spokes that give us the definition, and we created those so that if you and I, Dr. White, are in, in my office and we're looking at an event, we both can say, yes, that is integrity at Eckert, or no, that's not integrity at Eckert. Yes, that is responsibility, or no, it's not responsibility. So that we, so that every employee became to comes to understand what those spokes mean here, so that they're able to recognize when they're not seeing it. The idea being, going back to your to the wheel example, the idea being that we're not going to we're not going to um, push responsibility at the expense of being caring. Yeah, responsibility is very, very important. But what we're asking our people to be is responsible and caring at the same time. If you're a leader, I want you to hold your teams accountable, but I want you to be empathetic and caring at the same time. And that's not easy to do, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's particularly for a high-performing organization. It's much easier to, to be focused on responsibility than it is to be focused on empathy. And I will tell you, as a leadership team, that was one of the things when we began to define, we began to put these things down on paper, is it was scary because we thought, you know, once we write this down, people are going to expect us to actually do this. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to actually mm-hmm. expect that you're going to be living like this. And I know full well that when I talk to people, it doesn't always feel caring. I know it mm-hmm. doesn't. So yeah. how are we going to do that? So, mm-hmm. But that would be the accurate wheel. That is that okay. it, it first is a visual representation of our organization's culture, both from performance and the people. Excellent. So when we come back, I have a few more questions I want to ask you about that person side of the wheel. Uh, be with us or stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Kless. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Okay, and we're back with some some final thoughts from Tony on cultivating a can-do culture. Tony, you were talking about that person side, and I was... um, kind of reflecting back to what you stated with regards to the performance side and that there was a chief assigned to each one of those folks in the wheel. I'm wondering on the person side, how was that executed and did you have the same setup? The person side of the wheel, a couple of real quick things. One is that we always saw this as everyone's responsibility um, because this is, and we said that from the from the outset that it's not just at the top, but it's all the way through the organization. So it's not that just your boss needs to be empathetic towards you, but you need to learn to be empathetic towards your boss. Um, so that so that it's a two way street, just like in any really really good relationship. Um, the responsibility once we had defined everything, worked with our leaders, came up with we had all of our sub spokes and all of those things. Then the responsibility for executing the kinds of activities across the organization that would get us thinking about these values on a day to day basis sort of rested with um, me and my team, and then we also had a, some consultants who helped us craft some activities and things like that. Um, but one other thing we did that I also think is important is we actually have a spoke champion for each of the pers- for each spoke on the person's side of the wheel, meaning, and those are not people at the executive level. Those are actually people throughout the organization who are in leadership positions. So we have someone who is a visual representation of integrity, you know, and they know that that's the spoke champion for integrity or that's the spoke champion for caring. And part of their responsibility is they write, sometimes they write, um, um, I'll have them write some blog post that we send out to the organization, um, those kinds of things to continually remind people of it. But they help, and we have a, a committee meeting. It's really more of a work group where we talk about, you know, what are we learning and where are the places where we're seeing some inconsistencies. Wonderful. Absolutely love it. Any final tips or just, you know, top of mind thoughts that you think would be important to share with our listening audience on this topic? Um, I think what I would say is do something. Um, It it can be, it can sound, I mean, you could probably listen to me talking, and and when I talk about it, it sounds like it was some waltz, but it wasn't. Some people were doing a Texas two-step. Some people were doing something, you know, I mean, it was, if you had seen us dancing together, you'd have thought, what a mess this place is. But it had to start somewhere. We had to do something. Now when I talk about it, it sounds like, wow, this just flowed so smoothly. It's a bumpy road, 
but it is well worth the investment. And if you don't do anything else with your employees, I think there's four things you should always do. Ask, listen, respond, and repeat over and over and over again. Whatever it is you want to know about the culture, about what makes us great, about what's important to you, ask them, listen to them, respond to what they're telling you, and then repeat that process over and over again. And over time, you will create an organization, which is, I think, where we've gotten to. You create an organization where speaking up becomes an expectation. Okay. Absolutely love that. Tony, if our listeners want to get in touch with you just to chat, learn more, get resources, um, how might they do so? I would love that, and I, and I mean that. Anyone who wants to contact me, um, you can get me one of two ways. The best way to get me would be through my email address, and that's Moore. that's M-O-O-R-E, at Eckerd, E-C-K-E-R-D, dot org. So Timor dot org. I'm choosing to be Timor at Eckerd dot org. Um, or you can reach me by phone at 727-461-2990. Again, that's 727-461-2990, extension 3450. And I'd be All glad right. to answer any questions or share any information that, that would be helpful. Great. Um, any other resources um, that you want to mention, Tony? That's just top of mind. You know, there's a couple. Yeah, you, know, you know, a couple things come to mind. One is we um, we actually make a a, a quarterly um, book recommendation to our um, out to our organization, and there's a couple of things. There's a great a couple of really really good books. One is called The Servant. Um, the other is called A Leader's Gift. Um, they're just Excellent for getting you thinking about those things that are on the person's side of the wheel. Um, and then for the performance side of the wheel, um, there are two books that I would recommend, um, one, and we've all read them. One is called The Effective Executive, and that is by Peter Drucker, um, who you quoted earlier about um, strategy eating culture. I mean, excuse me, culture eating strategy. And then the second book is called Execution. So um, The Servant, and then another book called A Leader's Gift for the person side of the wheel and performance side of the wheel, the effective executive, and then a great book called Execution. I think that you pick those up and it'll get you started. Excellent. Love it. And I also want to give a shout-out to the Alliance for uh, Strong Families and Communities. Their executive leadership institute still has, I'm hearing, maybe a few seats available. It's an outstanding training opportunity to learn about not only developing your culture, but uh, much, much more as an executive. You um, can find more information about that at www.alliance1.org. So, um, great. Well, Tony, I have really enjoyed having you on our show today. I have enjoyed it thoroughly. I really, as I said to you at the beginning, I am um, I'm honored that you'd ask me to, to be here. And um, we, this is a great place to work. It, it may sound perfect. It's not. We've got, our, we've got our issues, but there's a real commitment to how we treat each other and, um, and how we treat our clients. So um, I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of our journey with you. Yeah, well, I uh, really appreciate your um, sharing it. I think, um, you know, just having a space to come together and talk about, um, you know, what's happening in different um, organizations and what our different experiences have been really kind of helped to make a big difference. I know Andre and I, as we work together and do a lot of our work, one of the things we constantly say is that um, people learn and grow from interaction with each other. And um, mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. this conversation and all the other conversations we have on Wednesdays at 2 p.m., 
are such to where it's really stimulating an opportunity for leaders to really feel more informed and inspired to find solutions that help to make a positive difference in their organizations and in humanity. So, again, thank you so much for, um, for being on our show today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And thank you also to our listening audience for tuning in. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.